Do you enjoy playing relaxing puzzle games on your phone? I do. It's even better when they're free and you can collect prizes along the way. Welcome to Two Dots. I have been playing Two Dots to relax my mind, unwind, and there's something very methodical about it. The premise of the game is you connect dots horizontally, vertically, but never diagonally. And you head from level to level. And as I mentioned, you do collect points along the way if you are into that. More than 5,000 puzzles to keep you engaged and relaxed after a very long day. Uniquely designed challenges challenges, game modes, and levels to choose from based on what adventure you are into. And by the way, you can download it for free right now on your Android phone or iOS. I also like the color template of this game. It's very, it's giving me very like pastel-y vibes. So yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it too. If you are ready to kick back and unwind, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS and start connecting. Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by Dana Witten Law. Oh my gosh, Dana Witten's amazing. If you want a family law attorney who's licensed in Maryland, Virginia, and coming soon in D.C., check out dwittenlaw.com. She's the best, and she's taking on new clients right now. dwittenlaw.com. So, Natasha, we have another special guest this week. Um, I'm excited because this is a friend of yours. A friend of yours, someone that has helped you out, also a mom, and someone that's going to talk about her sobriety journey and... Oh my God, setting boundaries, which we could talk about. I need that every day. So I'm so glad Heather is here. (laughs) I am so glad my dear friend Heather is joining us. She has been, I mean, my best friend in recovery, period. Like she's my one I can call whenever I'm struggling and she can call me. And having that kind of like sisterhood when you're in recovery is vital. I mean, you can't, you really can't get through it without it. You know, having somebody that just gets it utterly and completely and Heather gets like the um, contentious X factor in there too, which I mean, we'll get all into that, but (laughs) she's my, she's my life buddy. Well, um, Natasha kind of gave you an intro, Heather, but Heather Sand is here. You're a realtor, a mom, um, fashionista, fabulous style on your IG. Um, and like Thank Natasha you. said, you are uh, reco- in recovery. You've been sober. Um, and we were actually talking about this, Heather, because one of the things we were going to talk about today is, okay, a lot of people get sober and great, you're on a great path and life happens and they relapse. Did you ever have a relapse story or you help or you just help people kind of through that? No, I, I, I have been working on sobriety for a little over five years now. And um, when I first got sober, I never realized that um, you can relapse and you can relapse once, you can relapse twice, you can relapse 20 times. And relapse is part of my story. I've relapsed many times before I feel like I've finally gotten it for for my journey and my story which I've learned is completely okay and happens to a lot of us in recovery. 
Heather, maybe you can start from the beginning and tell us about your relationship around alcohol and then um, initially getting sober. Right. So, um, so my, my story with alcohol, it was pretty standard in my twenties. Um, I, you know, I went to a university and on the weekends I'd go out to parties with my girlfriends. And then, um, you know, once I graduated from college, I moved to Baltimore city and I lived with some girlfriends and it was still kind of drinking on the weekends, but, um, I did start to have blackouts and like do stupid things. But like when you're in your twenties, it's kind of like, um, ha ha. That's so funny that you did that when you blacked out or like, it's, it's more normal, like in your twenties. Um, so then, um, in my thirties, I, I got married I met my husband and we're now divorced, but, um, I started drinking like on a daily basis when I married him and he he's very scientific and he figured since we were wasting so much money buying liquor that he would start making his own wine. And so he made a wine closet and filled it with hundreds of bottles of wine. And it was just so easy for me. Like every day I would come home, I'd open up a bottle of wine or I'd have a second Um, and it started to become this thing where I was drinking every day for several years. Um, I might, I mean, for seven years, I think I drank almost every day. And, um, I, I had a child in my thirties and Baltimore city is a drinking city. And because you can walk everywhere, um, there's no worry about drinking and driving. And, um, the culture was that oftentimes families would stay in the city because um, of the walkability. And when you would get together with your mommy friends, um, typically you would have a drink in your hand. Um, And it was totally normal to be drinking, hanging out with your kids, doing things. Um, So um, I think towards the end of my marriage, I got divorced about 10 years ago. I was, I was drinking pretty hard. And what I didn't realize about drinking um, is that it's, first of all, it's an addictive substance, but it's also a depressant. So the more I drank, the more depressed I was. And after I left my husband, I continued to drink and drink and drink. And um, my alcoholism got pretty bad. Um, I, I realized that I might have a problem, but I also had a friend who is in the program and she got sober and she was, she was a mom just like me. And I was like, she's an alcoholic and she's going to AA. And I started asking her questions about it. And she seemed like she was doing really well um, with her sobriety that um, I very scared, went to an AA women's meeting in Montgomery County about five years ago. And I walked in that room and I sat down and I listened to these women and they were telling their stories. And I was like, these are my people. And I was like, I feel like one of these people. And, um, and that's when I started to go to AA and that's when my journey started with recovery. Um, okay. I always have a question about this because were you able to stay sober when you were pregnant? Like, or was that really hard? You know, it's, I, so typically I'll have like, when I wasn't pregnant, I would have like several glasses of wine. I wouldn't care. But like I, when I was pregnant, yes, I wouldn't drink on the weekdays. If I went on the weekends, I might have a glass of wine. Um, But I wasn't like binging when I was pregnant with my kids. And tell us about, because Natasha and I, and then Natasha, jump in with questions. Um, I wanted to ask you one more. Tell me about mommy wine culture, because mommy wine culture is a huge, it's a huge thing. I mean, this idea of, I see it, my husband's a soccer coach, like the idea of like the moms and the parents all bring like alcohol sometimes to the games, you know, if there's a tournament, they want to go out at night. I mean, what was your experience with mom wine culture? You kind of talked about it. I mean, people would literally move where they could walk with their kids. But yeah. but what did you witness and what did you participate in when it came to mommy wine culture? And when did you realize it was not great? So, um, so um, 
So I had a clique of women in Baltimore City that we would hang out with. And um, we um, we would every event we did was circled around alcohol. Like, for example, like we would do like a mom's movie night and included with the cost of the movie was was booze. And I remember one time um, I went to this movie night with these moms and I was sitting with two other women and we were bringing bottles of wine. And I remember like we finished one of the bottles and it knocked over in the movie theater. And we heard it like roll down the aisles. I was like, oh, my God, like I was slightly embarrassed because I drank so much. Um, so like, you know, on the weekends, if we would have kid play dates, we would make sure that it circled around like somewhere that had a bar so we could have a beer while we were hanging around with our kids or like, you know, because it's walkable, we had our strollers and that would have a, a, a cup holder. So we would just fill our like Yeti with wine. So people thought we were drinking coffee. Um, it was just something that was always paired with everything that you did. And then if you weren't drinking, it was kind of like, what, wait, why aren't you drinking? Like, because it was like, you'd be like, oh, geez, like, so my kid was so stressful today. It's it's time to have a glass of wine and relax. Like, it, it was always like a part of everything that we were doing in the city. It's so scary um, the way that it's just so normalized right now. Like I was telling right. both of you separately, I remember when the girls were little and I had like my mom group of friends and we would call them Prosecco playdates. And it was, we would be at one of our houses. Yeah. We all had small children and one person was always designated to bring the Prosecco. And it was basically just getting wasted in the middle of the day, yeah. you know, with the kids to entertain each other. And it was a laughable thing. Like the husbands would, you know, whatever husband's house you were at would come home and be like, oh, haha, you know, the moms are getting smashed again. And it's like, it, in what other job would it be okay that everybody's day drinking? Like it would be so frowned upon, but with moms, it's like a funny thing, you know, mom's glass of wine. It's, it's really scary. Um, Heather, I was curious. Um, Cause uh, to be totally honest, I have no doubt I would be a raging alcoholic if I could drink more. I get horrible migraines after one or two drinks and I've, always thanked God for that like boundary. Cause otherwise I, I have no doubt like alcohol would be my, my go-to, but what I wanted to ask you was when, what would you say are the warning signs of when it is it's acceptable, like mommy drinking, or you might have a problem? Like, what would you tell somebody that's sitting here listening to this going, Oh my gosh, like, do I have a problem? What would you tell them are some of those warning signs? This is the perfect example. So I so I lived in Baltimore City, but when I, I met my son's dad, um, I moved to Silver Spring and I was living in a suburban atmosphere. So it wasn't so I wasn't so easily able to drink as much as I was drinking before because I couldn't walk places like I'd have to Uber places and it would take like 20 minutes to get somewhere and that cost money. So um and, and so when I moved to Silver Spring, I didn't know anybody. So I started a book club. I started a book club in my neighborhood. And for my first book club, about 13 women showed up. And it was all women I'd never met before. And I was so nervous before that I like poured myself a glass or two of wine. Um, and then I ended up buying like four or five bottles of wine for the party because like in Baltimore, like four or five bottles of wine would be drank in like an hour. So I wanted to make sure I was stocked for the women in Silver Spring. So they were here for two hours. <clears throat> and I think half of them didn't drink. And then like six of them had a glass or two of wine. And then they left. And I was still left with like two bottles of wine. So which was amazing to me. I was like, why are you people not drinking more? And then they left and I proceeded to drink another bottle of wine all by myself. So I think I think for for moms who are like pregame drinking or like when people leave and you continue to drink after the, your, your people have left, you might want to question um, why you were drinking so much and why you just can't stop when people have left. Yeah. 
I wonder too, ladies, okay, when you were in the drinking mom wine culture, I mean, did you guys ever have an incident with your kids that that gave you pause? Like this is what this, Natasha was telling Natasha this, Heather, before you came on. I'm like, I would love to be drinking in the afternoon, you know, like, but my son is so, act, I'm like, I just, and I know this is where the alcoholic gene, you know, I'm sure I'm predisposed, but anyway, there's a line, right? Is like, I can't, I won't let myself do it because I'm like, oh my God, he's so active. Like if he can find an outlet to stick his finger in, like I can't, I can't like, so I stop myself from doing that. But I mean, did you guys, you must've seen other moms, like, did they ever lose a child? Like, I mean, was there a child wandering up? I mean, how, like to me, did that, does that click? Like, did that ever worry you? I remember um, I when I was in rehab, um, you know, for my opiate addiction, there was one mom that was sharing her story and it was her like aha moment or her rock bottom, whatever you want to call it, was she was, you know, drinking in the afternoon, just like she always did. And it was bath time and she was in the bathroom and I guess she passed out during bath time from having too much wine. And the little girl slipped under the water and almost drowned. And thank God her husband was home and happened to come upstairs. And, you know, there was no like permanent damage or anything, at least not for the child. But I remember hearing that story and on one hand being shocked, like, and almost wanting to judge her like, oh, my God, you know, how are you? How are you doing that? But at the same time, it also I can completely relate because when you're in the middle of an addiction, you will do anything to rationalize that your behavior is okay. You know, I was taking way more prescription opiates than I ever should have been. I easily could have gotten DUIs, but I rationalized it in my head that it's okay that I'm driving my kids around in a minivan, even though I'm feeling loopy because it's a prescription, you know, I, I need it for my back or for this or that it's you'll, it's like, you'll do anything to protect your ability to continue to use, whether it's pills, alcohol, doesn't matter what Mm -hmm. it is. You'll rationalize it all day long. And unfortunately, lots of times that, that aha moment, that rock bottom can have horrible consequences. I mean, I'm sure Heather can attest, like there's so many moms that we've met that did get DUIs or did, you know, have much more permanent consequences than Heather or I thank God ever experienced. But the, the, the other thing about drinking is you might've not have had like a horrible experience, like gone to jail or gotten a DUI. But the thing that I regret is that the drinking every day means that you're going to be hungover in the morning. So you're not going to be present for your kid, like, or when you're drinking, you're not as present as you could have been if you were sober with your kids. And that's the downfall of this mommy culture is that when you're drinking, you can't be mentally present for your children like you could be if you weren't drinking. I know for a fact that I am a better mother if I don't drink and I get up in the morning and I meditate have my cup of coffee and I'm, I'm, I feel, I don't feel hungover. I don't have a headache. I'm not sleeping until nine in the morning because I don't feel good. Like this is a much better way of life. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and anyone you talk to, Natasha, anybody you talk to who's been sober says that my brother has been sober 11 years. And he always says to me, I never thought my life could be this good sober. Like that's the joy, like the amazing beauty of it. I mean, that's that's the beauty. And it's also the sadness. I, you know, I regret that I held on to living in that awful place in that addictive place where all I could think about is, you know, am I running out of pills or what am I what lime and am I going to have to tell my doctor to get him to refill it early? Like it just I had tunnel vision and I missed out on so much not only time with my children, but I'm just so much happier now. I have joy that I never had before. I have peace that I never had before. And it's just, it's a shame that I didn't do it sooner because like Heather was saying, it feels so amazing now. It's like, why didn't I do this sooner? Which is actually one of the, you know, that why didn't I do it sooner is one of the big reasons Heather wanted to come on. And I first, you know, came out about my struggles with sobriety is there so much shame in admitting it? It is terrifying to 
admit you could be an alcoholic or an addict, especially when you're a mother. You know, there's just, we hold ourselves to this awful standard of we're supposed to be better than that. Or at least I did. That's why I couldn't admit it because I thought I should be doing better than this. You know, I, this is some sort of, you know, lack of strength on my part, or I'm not a good enough person if I admit, you know, I'm an addict, which unfortunately, when you don't admit it means you just get stuck in that addiction even longer. It's, it's this awful cycle. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's really crazy. Like alcohol is this legal substance that you are allowed to drink and you are allowed to get hammered. I mean, you know, we now have t-shirts about like mommy, it's mommy's time or like to drink or like, yeah, everywhere. Mommy, mommy wine. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, but, but they don't, they don't, they don't tell you about the other side of drinking. They don't tell you that drinking is a depressant and that you can get into the severe depression is which I felt like I was going into. But as I got older, like they, they don't say, Hey, you could get addicted to this or have severe depression. And like, you know, it could tear apart your life. Um, they, you know, you just hear about the, let's just get hammered part. Let's drink because it's a legal substance. And then when you say you don't drink, people are like, why, why don't you drink? It's like the only addictive su substance where people will question you if you don't do it. Like no one would question you if you're like, oh, I stopped smoking. Good for you. Oh, I'm, you know, I quit I, doing heroin. That's great. Oh, why don't, <laughs> why did you stop drinking? I don't understand. Like, yeah. And it's um, even with pot, like people that are like, I quit smoking weed. Like people, you're like, oh, that's great. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and now, you know, weed is legal. I'm, I'm curious how you guys got the courage. Cause this, this I think is very hard. Like Natasha talked about the shame, but what did you, how did you get the courage? Who gave you the courage? Maybe it came from within to get sober when in both of your cases, your significant others to some degree have used it against you. I think that's the hardest part. Once you're married with a family, it's like, and there's something wrong in your relationship and you're trying to get sober. It's like, it's almost like when you become vulnerable and you say it out loud, you almost know your spouse is going to use it against you. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their conception for her and conception for him formula, which Shman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for her fertility aid is well-researched, baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. You're going to love it, and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon, or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code Frasier 20. That's F-R-A-S-E-R. The number's two zero. Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right. <laughs> You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of 
are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I feel like I'm going to have to get a collar-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani Show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani Podcast. Enjoy. Ten years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it, slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Um, I, I just, I, I wanted to be strong for my kids. And I, I know, I knew I was, I, I knew, I know I'm a really good mother and I know that I love my kids and I knew um, that I would be there for them like more than my ex-husband would be. And I just needed to fight through it. And, um, and like I said, it was my girlfriend telling me that she was sober that made me finally go. And then like, once you're in the program, you learn that, um, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to relapse. And it was the women in the program that kept me going like people, because people outside of the program don't understand addiction. So the more you talk to the women in the program, the more they encourage you and cheerlead you. I had a woman who was my sponsor that called me every day and she's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're an amazing person. You can get through this. You relapsed. It's okay. You will get through this girlfriend. And like just hearing her call me every day and give me that love and that push really kept me going and kept me being brave and fighting through all of the stigmas from my ex-husband and just from other people that just thought I was a fuck a fuck up for the most part. And you know, the the crazy thing is because for me it took, I fought it all the way till the end until it was Peter and I in a courtroom and it was a judge telling me, you know, you're not going to see your daughters anymore unless you enter a rehab program. Um, And honestly, even then, when I first went, I was I'm sitting there waking up in rehab and still in denial, thinking I don't need this. This is all, you know, Peter telling lies about me, blah, blah, blah. And, And it it wasn't until I actually admitted that I had a problem that then the healing began and I started to get better. 
But the crazy thing is, and the thing I want to say to women who are out there, because I've spoken to you over my DMs, I know you're out there, you think you have a problem and you're afraid to admit it because you think your ex is going to use it against you, going to take your children away from you. I do not know any, I have not heard of any judge out there that if you were in court and said, I believe I am an alcoholic or I think I'm an addict and I am seeking treatment for it, isn't going to praise you for that. They're not going to hold it against you that you are actually admitting your problem and getting help. The best thing I could have done before I went in that courtroom against Peter would have been to have admitted it and sought help on my own. That judge would have thought, you know, I was incredible and he never would have taken my girls away from me because they see people all the time that are in denial. So don't be afraid because you're afraid that your ex is going to use it against you to seek treatment. Because once you are actually seeking treatment, it just makes you look better. It makes you look like you're responsible and taking charge of your life. And you are the good mother that deep down, you know that you are. That's such a great point. It, that's 100% true. Um, I got the same advice from my attorneys. Um, judges want to see accountability. They would rather see that you've said you have a problem than if you did nothing. They want to hear that you're seeking help for your problem and that you're, um, you know, you're going to AA, you're talking to a therapist, you have a sponsor. Those are all very commendable, courageous things that a judge is going to look upon as very positive things for your life. Heather, can you share a story? What was one of the most difficult challenges you went through with your ex that um, that you're that you're willing to share um, that might help somebody else? Like you and I have talked about boundaries a lot, and I feel like we're both experts on how to set boundaries because you have to set boundaries to protect your sobriety. So, how have you been able to do that? Um. Oh God, it's, it's taking, it's, um, I'm trying to think, I mean, my ex-husband is very litigious. Um, when I left, he, he made me go to court for my divorce. It was extremely expensive. I was in court for three days. Um, and after that happened, he sued me again two years later. And then after I got sued two years later, he wasn't happy with that outcome. So then he then appealed the judge's orders for that. So I have been in and out of the courts for like several years and spent lots of money and time um, in the courts. Um, And it was, it was, it was really, really hard. And at first, um, at first, like he made a lot more money than me. So, um, you know, I was very, very scared that I was going to get my kid taken away from me. I'm not, I didn't think I was going to get my kid taken away, but I just felt very scared that I was going to run out of money or that like something would happen to impact my son negatively. But honestly, like if you just keep a good paper trail of emails and text messages and things that have happened between you and your ex, the judge is going to see all of that and they're going to end up ruling in whatever parent is in the best interest of the child. It's not a punitive thing. It's, and, and that's what I've learned, like, in this process. Like, when I first left, my ex wanted to punish me. Um, so he wanted to run me dry on money and punish me for leaving my marriage. But I've learned that divorce is not a punitive thing. It's it's something that is being looked upon by a judge in a manner that's looking out for the children and the divorce. Does that is did I answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And, you know, it's especially being in women's meetings because, you know, I met Heather. I went to AA meetings just because I met more moms that way. There weren't a lot of moms in the NA meetings, um, mm-hmm. NA Narcotics Anonymous or AA Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's the same 12 step program. And it's interesting. There's such a, a commonality between women who are drinking too much or using too much who have contentious divorces or contentious marriages. And because when you're when you're doing these things, when you're drinking or when you're using, at least for me, it was because the emotional pain that I was going through or the fear that I was living in was so 
much more than I could bear, that I just needed something to take the edge off, to give me a little reprieve, to, you know, help me be able to sleep. And because just because you get sober, it doesn't mean that that relationship is going to get any better. So it's so important that if you want to stay sober to protect yourself from that person or that pain, whatever it is in your life that you are just having to numb yourself from, you have to learn how to kind of face it head on, you know, like the strength Heather was talking about, about not being afraid of the court system. You know, her ex was using it as a way to punish her, which is scary as hell. But you you find a way, and the beautiful thing about the program is it teaches you, even though you're learning about an addiction, it teaches you strength, it teaches you boundaries, it teaches you how to find peace of mind, no matter what your ex or your spouse that you're still with is doing. But the other thing that you learn from sobriety is, the great thing about like AA was for me was that like I went to AA because I wanted to get sober and I was like willing to do whatever it took. But once, once you get sober, like that's just, just the beginning of AA, like you're drinking because there's something internal inside of you that's hurting you. So once you go to AA and you stop drinking, you learn what's wrong inside and you learn healthy habits to deal with the pain that you're dealing with and you work the steps. And then oftentimes you'll start other programs to help you with whatever it was that's causing you the pain. Um, that's causing you to drink and become an alcoholic. All right, a quick pause to thank some of our sponsors. So uh, lots of people wait until after the holidays to separate from their spouse to file for divorce. Our girl, Dana Witten. Dana Witten is a super lawyer in Rockville, Maryland. She's also licensed in Virginia and coming soon in D.C. And she's been on this podcast, by the way. If you want to hear about what you need to know before filing for divorce and why you should do it before the holidays, check out my recent interview along with Natasha and Dana Witten right here on The Sarah Fraser Show. DWittenLaw.com is her website. Whether it's an alimony issue, child support, or you've decided you and your spouse are going to separate, even if it's amicable, you need to talk to an attorney to know all of your rights, what you're entitled to, what you could be entitled to down the road. Don't leave it up to someone who's not an expert. Dana is a top attorney. She's been named by Bethesda Magazine as one of the D.C. region's top attorneys, and she's incredible. Right now, for a limited time, she is offering a 60-minute consultation, which would normally cost $300. She's doing a consultation for just $150 when you mention the Sarah Fraser show. If you're getting divorced, thinking about getting divorced, it is worth, I mean, for $150, you could be getting expert advice if you are getting ready to separate. You want to know and have all your questions answered. Book an appointment with her today. Go to dwittenlaw.com. Also, if you are, we're going from divorce to basically getting married. Look, if you are madly in love (laughs) planning your wedding for 2023, you need great pictures. Christy Lippman Photography is the woman to see. I love Christy. Christy's a small business owner like myself, and her website is christylippmanphoto.com. She works across the country, but she's from the D.C. region. That's why we love Christy so much. You can also follow her on Instagram to see her amazing work. At Christy Lippman is L-I-T-T-M-A. And what's so amazing about her and where you can read five-star reviews and see what her clients love is Christy spends a lot of time getting to personally know you before your big wedding day. So that way on your day, you're not nervous to take pictures. You already have a rapport with Christy and you feel great about it. Look, we're all going to spend a lot of money on a wedding photographer. You want one who is excellent, who is personable, who can really help you relax and get the best moments with your partner. Christy does everything from gay marriages, straight marriages, and everything in between. Go to christylipmanphoto.com and book her today. You know, one of the things that, Sarah, you and I have talked about so much because it's so important are like setting healthy boundaries. I feel like a broken record saying it, but it is essential to learn how to protect yourself when you're dealing with some sort of contentious relationship, whether it is an ex that you share children with or a spouse you're still married to, but the relationship is hurtful or even a family member, you have to protect yourself. Yes. Especially if you're dealing with sobriety. 
And um, I mean, Heather has really inspired me and, and mastered that a lot. So I'd love to oh. get her take on the way she sets boundaries because it's something that I still need to practice. Oh my God, me too. Hopefully you're the pro, Heather. You can tell us both. <laughs> tell us. Me too. Well, no, I don't know if I'm a pro, but I've, I've definitely grown in my boundary skills. So what's been a blessing for me is 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 AA, but also meditation. Um, someone recommended Headspace to me, which is a guided meditation that I do every day. Um, and it's put me in a headspace where um, when someone is emotional with me, I have learned that it's not against me. Like oftentimes in the past, if someone's upset and they yell and scream at me or they have a bad day, I think it's, I take it personally. I'm like, what did I do wrong? But honestly, like typically if someone is angry, it has nothing to do with you. And if you just let that person vent um, and, and you just let them talk and you don't say anything um, and don't let it get inside of you, like you're a better person. And that's what meditation helps you with. Like it helps your brain to not be affected by other people's emotions. And oftentimes like my ex-husband would drive me crazy. Like when we would email or when we talk on the phone, we would argue. Um, and he just really wanted to win the battle. So basically I really don't talk to him over the phone anymore because it ends up in these, in these arguments, but I will email with him. And if I see that the, and I try to come from a non-argumentative stance, um, and if I see that he's being combated in my emails, I just stop emailing him. And I'm like, okay, mm. I'm going to let this go. Um, and then I'm like, and I will circle back in 24 hours. Because typically if someone is angry um, or there's and there's emotions involved, they just need time to simmer down. And I need to know that it has nothing to do with me. And by the time I circle back within 24 hours, usually we're back to a communicative um, place where we can both listen to each other again. Um, but um, that I mean, the boundary of like letting somebody be angry and just not, or like, or if you're in an angry text message, you know, like, and, and, in my current relationship, like, you know, everybody like normal relationships have arguments. Like we would get in these angry text message, um, conversations and, um, I would keep going, but now I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why am I, why am I engaging in angry texts? Like I'm angry or he's angry and we just need to stop, take yeah. a deep breath and think about why we're angry and I'll go and I'll like put on like Emily in Paris. Like I'll watch some yes. like easy breezy show to get my mind off of it. And like just breathe. And then I'm, and, and like a couple hours later, I'm like, I'm not angry anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, I love what she's, Oh no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love what you said about that. It's not about you. The biggest trigger for me would be when I would get an email or text that Peter was upset with me mm. about something. And, you know, now that I can look back and, and I've had a lot of time to think about those, they were absolutely about what he was going through. I remember towards yeah. the end, I got this one um, crazy text from him and he was like, I know you're using again. I know you've relapsed. I know all about the ketamine with your doctor. And I was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? And it threw me into like a panic mode because I, you learn this, like you have like almost PTSD that yeah. the fear just immediately kicks in about I've done something wrong or he has some evidence. And I'm like, I've never even tried ketamine or thought about ketamine. Like, where did that come from? Even if it's not true, he's going to prove that it's true. And I went into like this tizzy about it. It turns out he was like high himself. And that's one of the drugs I found in the house was he was taking prescription ketamine for whatever reason. So long story short, it had absolutely nothing to do with me. I sent myself into this fear spiral thinking I was going to have to defend myself against this. Whereas if I, I heard somebody say this the other day, when, when you have a contentious ex that's like throwing accusations at you or misconstruing a situation over text or email, like in writing, just write back and say, we both know that's not true. 
And that's all you have to say. You don't have, I wouldn't have had to get into the whole back and forth. I wouldn't have had to have lost my emotional sobriety in the, in the moment, because that for me is, is my most important thing is maintaining emotional sobriety. Mm. I could have just said, we both know that's not true and turned off my phone, you know, which in hindsight is easy, but that's so hard. That's some of the best advice I can give. But like Heather said, I mean, isn't it when you can, I don't know if we ever master, but we go through different times where we can master it, where you can become almost a little non-emotional in responses. It's so empowering. I don't know. You know, Peter taught me that on the Kane show. I was like, oh my God, if he wouldn't speak to us one day, I, I would do all the same things, internalize like what I did and how mad I was at him. And, you know, and then in other work situations I've had where maybe your boss isn't like is short with you or something, I've really learned to not take it personally. Like you both have said, it's not about me. And then it's like, you know, two days later, they don't even remember or care that it happened. And it's like every, so when you can almost get to that place of just not emotional checking out, it's like the, it's so empowering, but it's hard. No, empowering is the perfect word for it. And it's it's so incredible that you can have like one of two options. You can spiral in fear and worry, or you can empower yourself and advocate for yourself and shut down the conversation. Like, oh, if I would have been able to have that power back then to just shut down a conversation with Peter, man, I would have saved myself know, so right? much. All of us. So much of a, of a hot mess of emotions. Heather, I wanted you to talk about relapse, uh, a time that you relapsed, because I think that's the hardest part too, is for all of us moms, you know, we always, you want to present like you've got it all figured out, but so many things happen in life and life is about two steps forward, one step back, you know, and, and we just eventually make our way there. Tell us about relapsing and, and what that was like and how you got back on track. So, um, so my last relapse, uh, was, um, in Mexico, um, I went on a vacation with several families to Mexico and it was me and my kids and, um, we were staying in a resort and, um, it was crazy. Like a friend of mine who's sober was in the room across from me and, um, I was sober like, and everyone on that trip knew I was sober because I had been working on my recovery for a long time. And, um, like in the middle of the week, um, my older son went on a trip with some kids and then my younger son was in the kids club and it was a rainy day and it was, by, I was by myself. And, um, I was like, oh, you know, it's fine. I'm on vacation. I'm in Mexico. My kids are not here. I'm going to go to the bar and get a margarita, right? So I go and get this margarita and I drink it. I'm like, it's not strong enough for me. So I go back to my room and there's liquor in my room. Um, and I pour tequila in my margarita because it's not strong enough for me. And I drink it. And then after I had it, I was like, that was really good. I want another one. And then I had another one. And then... Um, it was time to get my kid. And I, I walked to the kids club drunk. And some of the people I was on vacation with saw me walking to the kids club. And they're like, she's kind of stumbling as she's walking to the kids club. She might have, is she drinking? She's, she doesn't drink. And like someone got up and followed me. And they're like, have you been drinking? I was like, oh, no, what are you talking about? And then I'm like stumbling. And I get to the kids club and they wouldn't even give me my kid because I was, I was drunk and I had to go get one of the moms to come and get my child for me. And the scary part about it was that um, I was so drunk that when I woke up the next day, um, my kids weren't in my room and I was like, where are my kids? And I had, um, I cut my nose. Um, and so there was blood on my nose and I was like, what happened? I had blacked out, didn't know where my kids were. And like, I mean, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I must have drinking more than I thought I did. And um, I was like, okay, the families that I'm with must have my kids. And I looked down at my phone and there's text messages going, hey, we have your kids, all is good, don't worry. And it was just so 
I was, I was just so, I was embarrassed, number one. Number two, I was in another country. Like, God forbid I was by myself and I didn't have those families with me and something happened to my kids. Number three, like, I got drunk in front of my kids. And I was with a person who was sober and knew I didn't drink. And I, and I still had a relapse. Um, and I was like, fuck. I'm like, <laughs> I fucked up so bad. So, like, um, I, to I said... I said to myself, um, I, I, I have, I have a problem. I'm like, what am I doing? And, and, but you know, what was the, the, the greatest thing about that whole situation was when I came out of my room and I saw my friends, they're like, don't worry. We have your kids. We love you. People make mistakes. Not a big deal. Don't mm -hmm. worry. And like, they took care of me. Um, and, and that came from a place of love from my friends. Um, and that gave me the strength to say, you know what, I did make a mistake. Um, and I'm going to make this right. And I called my sponsor and I told her what happened. I called some of the other people in the program and told them what happened. And I said to myself, I, I need to be extremely serious about my program. And when I got back to Maryland, I started to go to AA like every day. And ever since, I've been sober since that relapse in Mexico. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Not yeah. easy. Not easy. No, but, you know, like, I just, there's so much I love about that. And it's, you know, you could beat yourself up that I, that I did this, that I did this, and that my kids saw me drunk. But you know what your kids are going to remember? They're going to remember that mom made mistakes just like they're going to make mistakes in their life but what did mom do when she made a mistake she picked herself up she took it seriously and she made herself even stronger and an even better mother because of it and, and it's, i also oh, it's beautiful I also, told, I also told my older son who's turning 13 i sat him down for breakfast and i said look i know you saw me i was drunk i was like i have I have um, an addiction to alcohol. I was like, my brain doesn't have a red light. So when I start drinking, I can't stop. I'm like, and this other mom on this trip is just like me. And we go to meetings and we discuss what happens to our brains when we drink. And there was something about telling my older son that I was an alcoholic that like gave, made me feel real good that I was, I was being vulnerable and authentic and honest to my child about something that's an imperfection in me. Oh my God. And isn't it the more we say these things that we think are so shameful, the more you can put it out in the light. It's like, it just kills all the shame, you know? And it's like, nobody can use it against you. Nobody, you yeah. know, it's just the most powerful thing. You can let the shame control you or you can take control of the situation and make something beautiful out of it. Right. Heather, I just have one last question for you, which is, sure. um, you know, both you and Natasha, obviously, AA has changed your life. Um, for a mom that might be feeling this, and Natasha, actually, this was, this ties into your question. Like, what's it like to go to an AA meeting? That's kind of the scary part, right? Like, how do you take the first step? Um, was that a question for Natasha or me? <laughs> it ended up being a Natasha question, right? Okay, sorry. Well, but I mean, Natasha, and I want, I yeah, want Heather's wanted... story about like your first meeting too, because, you know, I went to rehab, I had to do it, but I kind of went and did that in secret, you know, only my family knew. And of course, Peter knew, but it was in Pennsylvania. It was like this removed experience that I could have just like come home and kind of pretended the whole thing never happened, or at least nobody really had to know. But I needed to go to meetings to maintain my sobriety. And for some reason, it was so hard for me to walk into my first meeting. I was telling you guys, like, I pictured this, like, room full of, like, homeless drunks in trench coats with, you know, paper bags, uh, you know, with liquor in them or something. And it wasn't like that at all. I mean, first of all, the first thing you could do is just Google it. There's, um, Heather, what's the name of the website that has all the meetings in it, like the meeting finder. Do you remember? Well, for DC, it's W-A-I-I. -I. Um, but th there's also an app that you can get. 
that tells you what meetings are in your neighborhood. Um, and it will specifically tell you if the meeting is for men only or women only, if it's his, like Hispanic speaking, like there's so many different meetings. There's so day. many meetings. There's, you know, um, you, um, like LGBTQ meetings. Mm -hmm. I mean, as the nice thing about being in DC is there's meetings for everybody under the sun so you go you google it you go on one of these apps or these websites and you find one near you or for me i was living in montgomery county at the time i didn't want to go to a meeting anywhere near me because i didn't want anybody to see me which is kind of a dumb way of thinking because they're they're in the meeting obviously they're just like me but so i went to one in dc and dupont circle which i never used to go into dc before um and i found a meeting there and honestly the thing is if you can just get yourself in the door i promise you you will be so pleasantly surprised i swear to you you will the thing about you know alcoholics or addicts is they're the most non-judgmental loving people you'll ever meet because they're just like you they've screwed up too so there's no there's nothing pretentious about it. There's no judgment and they love newcomers. And you can either just like with the first one I went in, I just kind of sat in the back and observed, um, or you can introduce yourself. There's always going to be somebody that's going to come and say hi to you, but you can share if you want to, or you can just listen. But I just, I promise you, you will be pleasantly surprised if you can get yourself over the hurdle of just walking in the door. That's all you have to do is be brave enough to walk in the door and it can completely transform your life. So amazing. Um, Heather, what's your piece of advice for taking the first step? Um, so for me, um, it's, it's, it's also like, I, I wanted a female specific group. So I, I went on the app and I looked for a group near me that was for women. Um, and I was so scared to walk through the door at first, like it said closed meeting in the details. So I didn't know if that meant I wasn't even invited, but closed meeting just, just means they want you to be serious about it. They just want you to admit that you want to stop drinking. That's all that means. So, um, and I was to a point where I was like, I don't even care if it's closed meeting. I have a problem. So I went into the meeting and it was a round table of women and it was women like in their forties, fifties. 60s, um, all business professional women. And um, the woman, the woman that was speaking for the day, um, she was like, yeah, she's like, I, I was a mom. And she's like, I knew I was an alcoholic because she's like, I was drinking vodka one day and I ran out of my orange juice. She's like, and I saw my kids juicy juice boxes and I broke them open and mixed them with vodka. So I had something to drink my vodka with. And in my head, I was like, that that's something I would do. This, this, this is, this is my people. And, um, I think I might've, I think I might've raised my hand cause I was in such desperation about my issue that several women came over to me and they gave me their phone numbers and they reached out to me with love and they were like, we're here for you. Like, you know, please call us and talk to us. Mm. And I just felt so welcome and accepted by these complete strangers that I kept on going because I felt like I was so welcome. And and that's how anyone is going to feel when they go to AA for the first time. Like women are always going to reach out and give you their numbers and give you love for coming. And there's no judgment about whatever you've done in your past. Mm. Ladies, so empowering. Um, Heather, you also are an amazing realtor. Tell us, like, people, and like, are you willing to share your Instagram? Can can anybody reach out to you? Like, where can people contact you? Tell us everything that you want to promote, please. Oh, okay. So um, I, I have been a real estate agent now for 13 years, and I'm licensed in D.C., Virginia, and Maryland. And very exciting. In February, I partnered with another mom and we joined, we're called Reflect Residential at Compass. And um, my Instagram is Petite Style DC because I love, I love real estate, but I also love fashion and interior design. Um, so I post a lot of fun things about style and designing your home and what I'm wearing as well as real estate. It's, it's a very love fun it. page. And thank you so much <laughs> for letting me share. 
It's oh so God. cute. She did this whole post about um, this. What was the new line at Target that you did? The designer? Um, so Target does collaborations every every year with, with um, designers. And they did one with Kika Vargas this year. That was she, it. Yeah. yeah. And was, Heather modeled all the dresses. It was yeah. just, it's a fun page. Go check it out. <laughs> And she's an amazing realtor. Like, I don't give my stamp of approval on just anybody. You can trust Heather and she will take care of you if you need a realtor. Because there's a lot of crappy realtors out there. So True. Heather, Get you're a good amazing. One. I mean, oh my God. And how lucky your children are to have you and your friends. And we are to have you on this show. So thank you. 